Hey, this is Chintek, founder and president of Chintek Consulting. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannotso. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then it can inspire real change. It is now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. And listeners, hey, welcome to the show today, and I really want to welcome you. And I have a wonderful guest with me. His name is Chin Tech, and he is uh, based in uh, Hong Kong. And um, he is an experienced senior executive coach and process consultant working uh, with founders, C-suite, senior executives, and teams using um, system solution to enable them to execute to greatness, including framing an organization's constancy of purpose, and I'm sure he will actually share us a little bit more about that later on. He's renowned for his dynamic and intuitive coaching and consulting style uh, and process, and uh, he's uh, he's got a broad exposure in manufacturing, sales and marketing, training and development, HRD and shared services in the regional and global leadership roles, reinforcing the value proposition he brings to any assignment. He's played a key role in opening up new markets in Asia Pacific, China and India to extend brand and growth and add his to his uh, startup perspective, experience, and exposure. He's authored some workbooks as well, greatest workbook series, uh, some practical toolkits, and that complement his action learning workshops, including his one-page article and also podcasts and video clips. Chintek, welcome to our show. Dennis, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you here. Thank you. And uh, I've given a brief uh, background on you. Uh, anything else you might want to add? No. Pretty good for now. Thank you so much. Pretty good. Hey, so how, how did you get into leadership? How I got into leadership? Accidental. <laughs> All of us are accidental in terms of our, of our life roles. You know, I, I believe that 90% of our life roles, we're all accidental, like husbands, wives, brothers, sons, and more so than anything else, management and leadership. Individual yep. contributors are basically promoted because of their contribution at the current state not necessary for the character, not necessary for their leadership styles, uh, sure. not necessary for all the broader qualities, and worse is that they don't, they don't get trained. Wow, yeah. Tell us more about that. So uh, I'll tell you my story. Uh, basically, I was a fresh graduate from a local university in Penang, mm-hmm. uh, and basically my first job was Intel. And uh, I didn't know at that point, uh, without a lot of counseling and a lot, a lot of exposure, that Intel is a semiconductor company. I thought it was a chip factory. potato chips right (laughs) knew nothing walked inside got my first job and i joined as a production superintendent uh, because they wanted to uh, experiment with fresh graduates 
So imagine a 22-year-old walking inside there with peers older than he is. I have no work experience, and all my peers are uh, ranked from file, right? Yep. So nothing prepared me. My university degree did not prepare me to be a production superintendent. Wow. Another experience, uh, another painful experience was within six months of, of that role, I was thrown into a room and was told to tell 30, 30 female operators that they've been retrenched. No script, no training, nothing. Good right? luck. So Go ahead and do that. Yeah, during the early days for Intel, I mean, right now it's, very, it's, it's gone over and been very sophisticated, but during the early days when I joined in 1978, uh, there were no integration, no training, no development. You're basically thrown in a deep end. If you yep. can swim and survive, awesome. you're pretty good. <laughs> but uh, what, most people in your experience, did they actually swim and survive or did they struggle? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, there were two of us fresh grads uh, going inside as, as pilot, right? Out of the two of us, one survived. Uh-huh. That's me. Yeah. Right? And that's because um, you like potato, potato chips, right? <laughs> uh, that's one. But, but fundamentally, I, I, I believe that uh, a lot of who I am and what I am has come from my past. Right. Right. And, and a lot of my leadership unconsciously, now that I look back, came from my teens. Seven years of my teens was very much by equipping. I'm thankful to a late mentor of mine. He passed away in, in 2019. But this, this person, Dennis, out of a school of 1,000 high school students, you know, he just picked me up, looked at me and said, you're going to join the Scouts. Wow. And I go like, I'm not ready because, you know, we were about to go into a, into a, a very, uh, uh, very critical examination for that, for that period. And I said, you know, probably a year later, he waited a year, Dennis. He came back, sought me out, looked at me again and said, are you ready now? Wow. And, and because of this, this man, uh, number one is that he exposed me to scouting. And through scouting, now that I look back, I have, I have the foundations for leadership, uh, role accountability, great and hardiness, high-performing team, yep. discipline. Right, and, and at that point, I didn't know. I mean, at the point, I was enjoying myself. I was going through training camps, doing all kind of stuff, right? But when I when I got older into my role, I realized that leadership is not something you train someone when they're thirty five years old or fifty years old. Mm. Uh, it's really hard, right? So if you don't have the platform for it, it it's it's harder sure. to build it up, right? And so I'm very thankful for this man. I'm very thankful for God for for what God has placed into my life, and I believe. When I look back, I mean, there are so many people in my life, Dennis, who shaped me at the right time, at the right, the right place, and helped shift me. Right. So they they both say not only shaped you, but they also shifted you as well. Yes. Uh, my my yeah. three words are fundamentally uh, number one is you know there's there's an element of caught a lot of things you you catch right because mm-hmm. you're watching them right. I mean. I mean, like this mentor of mine, he didn't really sit me down there and it's like in a training workshop and say, I'm going to teach you this, right? He basically role model. I mean, he gave me yeah. unconditional Christian love. He picked me up. He took care of me. He threw me in the deep end, but he was there to support me. He walked the talk, yeah. right? And through that, you know, there was a, there was a catching uh, portion on my part. That means I, I catch it and there's a shaping part. And there is a nurturing part. So nurtured, caught, shaped. Yep, cool. Very good. And I think that's also, you know, based on what you just said, 
from that, they helped you with your foundation, that platform. Yes. And yes. from there, you're able to build on that as well and yes. take you to to do things. Yes. Brilliant. And I think I think Scouts um, as an organization and other things like that allow us to, as leaders, develop and teach us some beautiful life skills and leadership skills that is, that is transferable, right? Amen. They went to that. I mean, yeah. today when you think about that, there's a lot of uh, team building activities, right, that people pay for. Uh, basically, things I enjoy it for free. Yeah, yeah. Right, all this uh, outdoor sea stuff and all that. Right, I mean, we did it for free, and I'm sure you heard of someone like Bear Grylls. I mean, I mean, what he did is basically what scouts do, and, and he's a he's an ambassador for scouts. Yep, yep. Great guy. Who's your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history. So, who's your favorite leader, and why? I don't have anyone per se, but I have, I have, uh, I have, I, I see, lead, I see these people as people who have shaped my life. I have a few of them. I, I've just spoke about this mentor of mine. I mean, he was a big deal in my life. I, I, the other one also is uh, the late founder of Intel, Andy Grove. He was one of the three founders. And one thing that I worked and saw from him is fundamentally transparency, uh, brutal, honest truth. But the honest truth is really hard in this world today, Dennis. Not a, <laughs> not a lot of people are very willing to to call out the brutal honest truth. Uh, but one of the things he taught us, or taught us in the culture of Intel, is that the more layers you have, the more your brutal honest truth does not come up to the top leadership. It's kind of hidden yep. in the layers, right? And he's got a book. He's got a book out as well, right? Um, Andrew Grove. It's uh, High Output Management. I think it's called. It's a great book. If you haven't read, if you have not read it, I, I strongly recommend it. He has he has a high output management book. He also has another one called The Only Paranoid Survive. Right. So he's really big on, on paranoid paranoia. One of the things he always challenged us that I learned is never be complacent. Yeah. So so as a leader manager, when when I was growing up and when I shifted into a much more conscious leader manager, one of the things I learned from him was to always stretch my people. Yes. Right? Great. So, so for example, in the first, in year one, uh, if we accomplish uh, X goal, right, in year two, I have to think about how to stretch them. I, I don't just stay on, on the year one goal throughout for the next five years. Because the, the bar has, you need to raise the bar, right? Because we've done that now. Yeah. Correct. Because if we don't keep raising the bar, we become irrelevant, Yep. And we don't keep raising the bar, we don't stretch that muscle, right? I mean, you spoke about change and transformation. And one of the things that I, I think that I would akin it to uh, working out at a gym is that muscle memory, is working that muscle. Yeah. And one of the things I think organizations have become, in my mind, forgive the French, quite wimpish, is that we're not stretching our people, Dennis. Mm. Yep. We were too nice in, in many, many instances. And yep. one of the things I learned from the late Andy Grove was be tough but be fair. Yep. Nice, beautiful. Be tough but be fair. Be tough yep. but be yeah. fair. And, and I'm also thankful for a lot of my previous uh, bosses or, or leaders, if you will. One of them taught me about stakeholder management. Yes. All right. He, he taught me how to keep score. Like, for example, if you go into, like, for example, Dennis, you, if you're my boss, and I will keep score of how many times when I go in to see you for a proposal, how many times you kick me out of the room. <laughs> right? So I keep a score and, and I keep scoring myself. And every time I come out, if I didn't get through to you, I have to sit down and as assess and say, why didn't I get it through you, right? Yep. Uh, but in many instances in today's life, most people just blame the boss. Like I'll say, Dennis, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not a good boss because you're not listening to me, right? 
but what I've learned from that uh, mentor of mine and, and, and previous boss of mine is look at yourself. Don't, don't blame the boss. Ask yourself, what didn't you do right? Beautiful. What could you do better? Yes. Right? And so, and so I learned from that. So I kept keeping score of every time I go in. And then incidentally, I have, I have another uh, mentor of mine or so-called the worldwide uh, CMB director. And he taught me the power of no. That is yes. the power huge, of huge. no. Right? Yeah. And, and what he taught me was this. Because everyone told me that this guy is just hard to get a yes from. Right? And by the time I got to work with him and I, and I, and I, design, I designed a way for him to say yes to me, because uh, I'll give you a, a quick story, right? When we went to China in 1991, we, we wanted to open up China. And in 1991, nobody knew about China. Nobody in, in the global world knew how, how tough China is, right? Mm-hmm. When I was in China in 1991, everything was in Chinese. There was there were no English, okay? Today is very different, right? But at that point, nobody knew what it was like in China and what hardship is, right? And so I, I had to go get this expat policy bought off by this big guy who uses the power of no. And he refused to come to China. He refused to look at my expat policy. So I had to go above him, which pissed him off, go above him through his boss, got him here. But it was through the time we spent together for two weeks and him being in China, going through the hardship of traffic jams, going through the hardship of flying in a French Fokker, in, in an old Russian Fokker plane with no seatbelt, he signed off my expat policy. Wow, wow. Amazing. So you got to experience, right? The only way you're going to experience, Mark, if truly about globalization, Dennis, as a sidebar, if you truly want to be global, you have to be out in those markets. You cannot be global sitting where you're at. No, you have to go out and have that experience for sure. Yep. Correct. And it's not just, just being in a room with a group of leaders either. It's actually afterwards in the restaurant and the traffic jams and the and the lobbies, the hotels. That's where you do definitely learn. But going back to the power of no, I think that's great. And I think a lot of leaders that I talk to as well is that them understanding how they can say no in a constructive way. Because a lot of leaders today, they just want to say yes, yes, yes to please somebody, everybody. Yeah. But then they get overwhelmed because they're just taking too much on. Yeah. I think the other side of power of no too, Dennis, is that I want to see how much you believe in your proposal. I want to see you as my staff, how much you believe in your proposal, right? So, for example, if you came to me once and I said no, or you went away and never came back, that's not enough passion. That's, that's not enough belief, right? Yep. But if you pause, you came back once or twice, or you, you're even willing to come back and say, boss, why didn't you say yes to me? What am I missing? That, I think, shows character. Excellent. Very good. Very good. Now, the show is called Leadership is Changing. Yes. When I say that statement, what does that mean for you? Leadership is synonymous with change. Mm -hmm. Management is status quo. Right. So I I believe that uh, in today's world, a lot of so-called leaders are actually managers. They're not leaders. Right. They're, They're managing status quo. They're doing business as usual. Uh, if you're a true leader, to me, it is linked to change, and change comes from basically a gap. The, the, the gap is the difference between my dissatisfaction and unhappiness with the current state and my ability to see the future state. And when that difference is seen and that gap is there, then I need to step up as a leader to lead the change to, or to lead the transformation. 
and do something about that, right? And to close the gap. Absolutely. And, and, to, and to close the gap. And, and what I teach a lot of my, my, my clients or when I was working in the corporate world is that anytime there's a gap between your current and your target, you, you've got to do something different, Dennis. Sure. Right? Sure. I mean, yeah. insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. And what I see a lot of people do, Dennis, is that they have a gap in the, in the, in the, between the currency and target, and they keep doing the same thing. It's crazy. So if you don't change, that's why my system solution uh, idea is, is there, right? If you don't change the process, the system, the capability, or even yourself, how do you close the gap? Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. That's very good, yeah. And so, you know, understanding, uh, listeners, where you are, where you want to go to the future plan, but then also understand there's a gap and then leading that change to help close that gap is really important for you. Chintek, if I turn around and ask you here, how, how has your business or industry changed and how has that affected you? Good question. I am not as, well, I come from two segments. Number one is okay. my clients uh, are in pain. My clients are in pain because number one is that they are a business. I mean, they have lots of people working for them, uh, and that's a responsibility to the staff. And they have to look at livelihoods and they have to look at how they keep the business running. Yep. Right. Uh, I'm basically a sole proprietor, so I'm by myself. This is actually my second career, so I am basically able to get through it uh, in a sense that uh, you know, God willing, and God's been very kind. Uh, even in this period, Dennis, I- I've got new contracts. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So, because of who I am, because of my business, I'm still able to do coaching and consulting. I, I'm, I've heard about your about your situation as well. You just ran a workshop, so we're able to do that because we're kind of sole proprietor. We're able to pivot. But you know, I I feel empathy for the businesses that have you know people working for them. In fact, right now I'm working with one client whose business is is a travel industry. Wow. And they are really hit. Yep. I mean, we're, we're talking about survival. It's huge. So the travel industry is just huge. I mean, it's, it's huge. Really, really, yeah, yeah. Right. And so I'm working them through crisis management. I'm working them through change and transition. Or oh, the other thing also is in the previous discussion we had about leadership stepping up to lead change. One very key area to think about is this for the for the for the audience. Right. Change management is is kind of easy in the sense that you stand up one day and say, "I want to change the organization." And so it's done. So change principle is basically is done onto you without your permission. Just as COVID-19 has done onto us without any of our permission. Yep. It's sudden, it happens, right? And what's key for me that I work with my, with, my, with my clients is not just change management and not just transformation, but the transition. Yes, huge. The emotional transition of three stages. Stage one is called letting go. Stage two is called neutral zone. Stage three is called new beginning, Right. And what most people don't realize is that when they implement something, they're not working people to move through those three stages, Dennis. And so everybody's stuck in the letting go stage, right? They're, they're not happy with a new idea, the new state. They're kind of comfortable with the current state. And so they're not shifting. And about 95% of leaders and managers I work with have no clue about emotional transition and how to work through that. Because yeah, most people don't want to change. They're happy as they are, as you're saying, right? I, I, I don't want to change. I mean, there you go. Do, do change to others, and I'm happy to help others do change. But for me, I don't want to do change. Right. And, and I, I think that there, there are a few key teachable points I want to just share here, right? Number one is that I had gone through personal transition and transformation, right? And when you think about a lot of businesses today, 
there are many, many managers in organizations that have never gone through crisis. Right. There has never gone through personal change and tra- uh, transformation. So when you don't have the experience and exposure and the education, which is your paradigm, then you're stuck. That's why one of my terms I say, Dennis, is possibility is limited by our current paradigm. Sure. Okay. So I had I have the I would say the design of divine intervention that I have an early failure in my career. I moved from Hong Kong uh, from Malaysia to Hong Kong and I went through an incredible transition because you go from a Penang and you come to Hong Kong where space is so limited. I mean I just went through shock, right? Um, and then the third thing is that when I moved from manufacturing at the peak of my career, 13 years, after doing a lot of transformation and so forth and coming to sales and marketing, those guys look at me and go like, so, who are you? And uh, <laughs> tell me right now, right here, what's your value proposition? Do they care that I did two organizational transformations? Do they care that I set up a 10,000 square feet Intel University to transform manufacturing operators? They don't. Yeah. Right, and so, 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 tell me, tell me, based on those examples you just shared with us, if you were to get into your helicopter now, hindsight being a a good thing, and you can do the reflection as you talked about before, what's the one thing that was probably common for you throughout all those different transitions that you could share with the listeners that helped you get through it? What was the one, the one big thing that would actually help you get through it all? I think one is as as grid is defined. I think uh, as you as you're getting through the as you're getting through the tough times, having a long term objective in front of you will yeah. help you get through that. I mean, grid is defined as going through all those tough times uh, and and persevering, but with a very clear long term objective. I think that's one of it that's that's very important. I think number two is that the the failure experience I had. My mentor gave me this very simple statement. He said, yeah, you're pissed. Yeah, you're, you're angry. Yeah, you're going through all that emotion, right? He basically says, you think you have two choices. And I use these two choices very often with all my staff, right? It's you have two choices. You fight or you flight. Sure. All right? And I chose to fight. And I think fighting is one of those nature I had built up during my preteen years and my teen years through all the scouting and through all the tough times, right? So... Having that built of that grit and hardiness, I think, helps one go through those emotional transitions uh, much better than someone who's never been exposed to tough times. That's brilliant. That's brilliant sharing. Hey, listeners, I'm here with Chintek. He's uh, sharing some beautiful wisdom and insights here with us in relation to leadership is changing. Chintek, if there was one thing you could change in business as a leader today, what would it be? Embed a strong organization culture. Okay. With clear purpose, with clear purpose, aligning it, matching it so that you can execute to your constancy of purpose. Yep. And to ensure that uh, one, of, one of the big things for me is justice, organizational justice, and to ensure that that culture is basically honoring diversity, honoring women, right? Nice. Because Dennis... People leave bad culture. People leave weak managers. And, and in my experience, especially with the family business businesses, there's an overemphasis on values and not enough on culture and corporate, right? right? Yeah. So, so the term I, I came up with is called constancy of purpose. I, I stole that from the late Edward Deming, the, founder, the father of Total Quality Management. The concept of purpose to me is a framework it's a one-page framework that basically, that basically has a few elements. The first element at the bottom, which is foundation, is why do you exist? The core purpose. 
right? And, and why do you exist? And what are your values and culture that makes you who you are? And basically differentiates you from other companies, from other nice. organizations, right? And maybe other people as well. And maybe other people as well. And the top of it is basically where you're going. Yes. Right? Your vision, your direction, right? And then underneath that is basically what are your three prioritized strategies to achieve your vision? How do you measure it? And most importantly is what are your prioritized focus areas? And I love the number three because the brains can remember four things. And I'm amazed at KPIs that's like 25 to 35 items. Crazy. Right? So, so the concept of purpose is very important in the sense that we've got to start building culture, and culture is what I call language and management practices that basically allows us to find the right people for the right bus, mm-hmm. execute the greatness, right? But at the same time, being seen as a company that basically has organizational justice, that, nice. that's been fair to people, that's been fair to diversity, uh, and really, really living your brand. Yeah. So, so to me, it's one thing I can change is start building strong cultures. Yeah, I, and I get it. I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that's great. And the thing that you also shared before was about purpose. Do you think that a lot of leaders today understand their purpose? And I'll give you a little bit of context here because I think a lot of leaders that I see who are in organizations, their whole identity is around their job title yes. or the organization they've been working for, yes. but it's got nothing to do with their purpose. Yes. Do, do you think a lot of leaders are weak or missing or lacking in their purpose in life? Absolutely. I mean, I, I was very blessed because one of my uh, ex-leader, uh, big in development uh, in APEC uh, sales and marketing, Dave Strickley, he, he was big in, in all that, so he brought me to a lot of, uh, of the development. And he came with me, and we both went to uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People workshop right. in 1993 where I wrote my corporate purpose statement sure. and where I wrote my career vision statement. And I've, I've been living that corporate purpose statement of making immediate impact on people I care about and I work with. Um, and my career vision I've spent from 1993 to 2006 to get to what I'm doing right now, Dennis. And, and that, that long-term vision, I think, allows you to go through all that pain, all that, all that journey of change and disruption by keeping an eye on that and keep moving, right? And, but I think the key is to have a direction and to have a purpose. And I run a, a workshop called Identity Before Destiny for executives as well as for the next generation of 15-year-olds. And I can tell you right now, Dennis, when I run that workshop for executives, uh, 90% of them don't know their purpose in life. And, and what I like to do with these people is I say, Dennis, introduce yourself. And everyone will tell me their name, their job title, yes. the department they're in, how long they've worked. And I simply ask them one question. I say, Dennis, your identity is linked to your job title. Nice. What happens to you when you retire? Who are you? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and I, so, I, so I believe that number one is, again, back to culture. If we can have individuals who know their why, their how, and their what, and the company's consistency of purpose, and we can start matching it, Dennis, we're going to be in a sweet spot because we're not going to have the right people on the right bus. Yes. I, I Look, I agree, and I think that's why it's important that when you're in a job interview, it's not only you being interviewed for the job, it's you actually should be interviewing the company and the leader about the role because if you're your areas, your purpose, and those what you've just shared, and it doesn't match and it doesn't marry up, even though the job might be a good dollar value, might be exciting, be careful on what you're actually signing up for because it, it may not be a marriage in heaven, if I can put it that way, right? 
And, and, and one of the things I've, I've started to shift my clients to do, which I, as a sidebar, that's what I actually I taught my son when he was looking for a job. I know he was, he's a lawyer, uh, uh, IP lawyer. And what I told him was this. I said, son, when you go for interviews, I want you to ask them, sir, what's the, what's the purpose of your company? And what's the vision of your company? What's the value set of the company? Now, can you imagine law firms, Dennis? Law firms don't do that, <laughs> right? And so one of the things I'm doing now with many of my clients is to say, when you're interviewing, for, when you're interviewing uh, potential candidates, right, ask them, sure. Dennis, before we go any further, instead of the usual, tell me about yourself, I want you to tell me why do you think you exist? What's your core purpose in life, Dennis? And, and what are your... What, what, how are you going to contribute to the company? So I'm talking about brand promise, right? And what are your key accomplishments? Yep. Right. And where are you going? Where are you going with the career? Where are you going with the career with, with the career vision, right? And mm. then I will tell you as a company, this is my why, this is my where, this is my why, how, and my what, and we can start matching it. So I think the key, the second part is, if one thing I can change in business should be two now is we're going to start getting the right people mm-hmm. at 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 the starting point. Because yeah. hiring right is the most important of all the strategies of talent management. If you hire wrong, that is. There's, there can be a lot of heartache. There's a lot of problems that can be very expensive. But it's just the whole, as you say, the culture would just be wrong. And, and that's hard. And so this was actually a great segue into the next question, which is what about, I mean, maybe you've alluded on to this already, is, you know, just talking about your son and job interview and things like that. But how has employee expectations of leaders changed? You know, the funny thing is, it has not changed, Dennis. I, I think the leaders and managers miss the boat. Uh, if, if we start replacing employees with the term people, yeah. people's need has never changed. I, yeah. I need to be acknowledged. Uh, I need to be listened to. Uh, I, I need to be appreciated. Right? I need to be giving a meaningful job. Uh, I need to be given something that I find relevance in. I, I need to have a job that is leveraging my strength. I call it a 70-25. If, if 70% of the time you are not being used in terms of your strength, you are going to be very miserable. Sure. But many people, Dennis, again, just as they don't know their core purpose, many people don't know their strengths. No. And what I teach people is once you know your strength, shout it out. Tell your boss to use that strength. But instead, most people use your weakness. So imagine how miserable, again, and painful that is. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Right? Um, so, and then I want, to, I, want to go, I want to highlight one thing, right? Hawthorne effect or Hawthorne studies, which is a study of whether light impacts employee productivity was, was studied, I think, in 1924, then 1933. It highlights the end of the day. It's not the work environment. It's not the money. End of the day, it's the management style. It's the attention you pay to your employees that impacts their productivity and their quality. Yeah. And here's a story I have, right? Well, but in my manufacturing days, we implemented a breakthrough system where I designed whereby every operator in front of the machine has a P and Q chart for productivity and quality chart. Yes. We give them the target by hour. And that job is to monitor themselves against the hour. So in, an, in the first hour, if I'm supposed to make four widgets, if I make four widgets, I put a score, right? And the supervisor's job is very simple. Walk around, and there are like 30, 20 uh, operators in a row, and all the, the supervisors start to do is to only positively give feedback to those who've done well and make it really loud. 
Awesome. Because the next person who hears it wants that same positive feedback, so they work really hard to get their attention. Beautiful. That's great. That's a great way of doing it, isn't it? Yes. And um, But interesting how you're saying that the employees' expectations actually haven't changed. Maybe it's the leaders and managers not actually uh, succeeding or stepping up and failing that they, um, you know, and I even look at millennials, right? Millennials don't leave because, as you said before, the organisation, it's the leader and, and maybe the culture. But I also know that they're looking for strong leaders to lead them. They're looking for leaders to actually mentor them and, they, and people aren't stepping up to do that as well. So I think it's really, really important. So what what makes a leader successful in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? Growth mindset. Yeah, huge, isn't it? First, first is a growth mindset. Uh, number to to be able to him himself or herself having gone through personal experiences, learning also from how he or she has grown up. Like for example, I have one instance of a person I'm working with, and her whole life is based on her intelligence, IQ right. test, how clever yep. I am, right? And yep. so once, once you get to that mindset, now you're kind of stuck, right? So, yes. so we need leaders who are, you said in the beginning of the intro, agile, right? They, they, have to, they have to be agile, they have to be able to move, they have to be able to pivot, but you cannot pivot if you don't know who you are. Right. So, yep. so we need growth mindset. I believe the second thing is uh, leaders who are successful basically do not, create and followers they create leaders uh, right. i believe good leaders multiply they have a multiply effect uh, they're basically able to transfer right because today in this in this disruptive world you cannot do the old traditional way where one guy is pushing the rock yeah right you got to have people around you who, who are using the different strengths you're, you're basically multiplying the different strengths complementing it and having a multiply effect that then gets you the result in in the least painful way but with speed time to market yeah right i think i i believe that the leaders need to uh, basically be able to say this following mantra that i came up with number one is that when i have people working for me i call it a 4p uh, Dennis, which is i have to say to myself and say it is such a privilege for me to be given people to steward it's very personal because where everything I say, everything I don't say, everything I do, I don't do, I will hurt them. And when I hurt them, they bring it back home. Yeah. It's very personalized because no one self-fits all. So I have to learn to be a situational leader. And lastly, it's very painful. Right. Because leadership is not, it's not you know, it's not a bit of roses. I mean, there are good times and the bad times. And you have to step up and do the right thing. And doing the right thing is really, really hard. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's wonderful. And and Chintek, when we talk about that and talking about the fast pacing changing world, if I was to get your to get your crystal ball out and start thinking about the future and things like that, where, where do you see leadership going in the next five years? Number one is back to basics. I, I, I still believe that a lot of fundamentals are missing, Dennis. I believe that we, the big organisation, have done injustice to the people we promoted. We're promoting the wrong people. We're not getting the right people into play. We're not helping them. We're not developing them. And so a lot of employees are being impacted because of the wrong people in those roles. Yes. Yeah, huge. Back to the basics. Yep. You, you, have, you, you get back to, uh, back to basics. I, I think the second thing I, I, I talked about much earlier on was lead change and manage transition. They, they, have to start, they have to start leading change and management transition. And the way I do that is called the 5R, 
and the five C. So you, you you notice I like the four P, the five R, five C. So there's a five R, which is a communicate change. Uh, we don't do a decent job of communicating change. Yep. And the five R basically stands for the fact of how we move people's emotion because the the people don't fear change. Then as people fear the unknown that comes with the change. And so I designed the five R so that people can can become can understand the change. They may not like it, but they can understand the change. So the five R stands for the reason, the results, yep. how your role will change. Most people will be worried about the third one, the role, meaning will I have my job? Yes, so correct. You could upfront talk about that, right? Don't hide it, right? The fourth one is uh, roadmap. People like to know how long is this going to last? How much pain do I have to endure, right? And the last is how will you help me? Resources. So reason, results, role, roadmap, and uh, resources. Yes. Then the five C is basically what blocks us from shifting. Yep. Okay. And and the first three C is the most important, which is I find the challenge too much. I, I cannot deal with this. So we're back to fixed mindset versus growth mindset. I've lost people I, I like. I, I've lost my connection. I've lost my role. I lost my identity. Right. Now the third one is basically I feel out of control. Correct. Yeah. So those three C's block us from shifting to new beginning. Yeah. I'm in suspense now for the two C, the two remaining C's. So once you shift the two C's, then the, the fourth C is basically commitment. So if I can unblock your first three C's, your commitment now then is high. Yes. And then the last C is capability. It's not that your commitment is high. Now I can train you. Wow. Now you're, now you're in a space where I can train you. Now I can help you move forward as well. Oh, awesome. The five R's and the five C's. Yeah. Very, we we very need cool. leaders to be equipped. And, and, and what I find when I work with a lot of people is everybody thinks it's very intuitive. Dennis, they, they think change is just very intuitive. They just look at you and say, oh, guys, come on, guys. Get up and just get moving, guys. <laughs> right? Or, or I just, I just retrenched uh, five people that you know. It's okay. You know, suck it up and move on. Yeah. It's a bit like a bit like when we were kids playing rugby. I don't know if uh, if you follow rugby yeah. at all, but we're playing yeah. rugby and at half time, half time the coach and the fathers and mothers would get in there with us as kids, and uh, they gave us the little quarter of an orange and we put it in. We could smile and it looks like an orange in our mouth, and we have an orange and they'll say, "Come on, you can do it. You can get it. Just get on with it." You know, and away you go. But they weren't always teaching us. They weren't always showing us, right? But the more important thing was that we were getting out there and giving it a go, which is really important for sure. Over years, we were committed, but over years, our capability grew as they grew and they actually shared things with us for sure. Yeah, that's great. Oh, awesome. Uh, look, you've shared some really, really awesome insights today, and thanks for very much for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? On my LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. My LinkedIn profile or, or my uh, website, which has my uh, contact g- uh, contact email. Yep. What's your website? Uh, www.chintech.com. Okay, good. And we'll put that in the uh, show notes as well. Um, so, um, Chintech, hey, thank you very much for joining us on today's show. It's been a privilege having you here with us. So, thank you. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, listeners, look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, listen to them, put a review and a rating, and share them with your network. Now, if there's a question or some feedback you'd like to give me or a question you want me to ask my guests, 
Or if there's a question you want me to ask on the Ask Dennis episode, feel free to send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Once again, team, hey, if you haven't checked out already, go to Facebook and check out the Leadership is Changing Facebook group. Hey, listeners, awesome to have you here with us on the show today. Thanks very much for joining us, and we'll talk again soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 